Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 192, part two, I guess, if you will. Um, I'm joined by Zach here. Howdy. Yep. This is, uh, he promised and we agreed he was going to come on the last episode um, before the final week, Championship Sunday. Um, if you guys haven't already listened to part one of this episode 192, Evan and Kyle were on on Monday. That was a nice episode. Listen to that. Uh, liked all the stuff they talked about. Zach and I aren't going to go into too much detail on the games they recapped. They they recorded before the Newcastle Leicester game, so that game and the uh, two that followed midweek will go into really detail of. But we're going to just go over the key highlights and um, implications of the results that they covered. So um, if you're ready, I'm ready to get into it, Zach. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so starting off all the way back to last Thursday, we're, we're recording this a few hours after the United-Chelsea game. Um, Newcastle got a massive 4-1 win over Brighton. Brighton, the last couple games, have been topsy-turvies with results, but Newcastle at home were, were a force to reckon with, and with this result, they locked up top four. Yeah, Newcastle, I'm glad to see them finish uh top four they definitely deserved it after this year no doubt they've they've just been strong all season um and i mean putting four goals by brighton here is is just a sign of that dan burn getting on the score sheet as well that's your guy yeah that's my boy he's a boyhood um fan of newcastle his celebration said it all um how awkward he is just his figure when he celebrates but uh for a guy playing at left back um, I don't think that knee slide was that awkward. It was pretty sturdy, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just not not very often you see six foot seven guys celebrating in the sport <laughs> of soccer. Usually, we see uh, guys in the NBA with uh, different types of celebrations doing uh, doing things to compared to Dan Byrne, who um, even in his position that he plays isn't conventional. Uh, when he was at Brighton, he usually played as a center back in their back three, but now he's playing left back where. I don't know if he's going to hold that down next year, um, depending on who they bring in. We know at the beginning of the year they brought Matt Target from Aston Villa, and uh, he hasn't had a chance to even break into the team due to fitness and I guess just uh, how consistent Eddie Howe wants his team playing. So good for him, good for Newcastle, Brighton. It was a bump in the road, but they got what they needed later on in the week. We move on to Brentford beating Spurs 3-1 at Spurs. They went up early off Harry Kane, scoring his 28th goal of the campaign. Uh, incredible there. And then um, Brentford just rallied without Ivan Tony, with the news coming out of his eight-month ban um, from all football activities. So I guess uh, whichever whichever thing you want to jump on first, the, the Tony ban or them still getting results even without him. I mean, getting results without him just goes to show how much work Thomas Franks put into that squad and, and assembling them and how much they want to play for him and they want to play for the fans. I mean, it's there. there's a few clubs like that this year that are have developed a, a culture, if you will. That's probably the word you would use. Uh, and Brentford is right near the top of that list, I would say. And the, the Tony ban, uh, that's, that's going to be a, a 
it's going to hurt their goal production definitely. But I mean, I think I think they'll kick on all right. Are you not in the camp that uh, I don't hear many people talking about? Are they going to be relegation candidates next year due to that, or do you think they're good enough to where they can uh, steady themselves until he returns? If they retain the same players, I don't see why they're a solid mid-table team at the bare minimum. I mean, besides Ivan, Tony, and Raya, and I guess maybe Rico Henry, you don't really see many names in that team that jump out to you and be like, hey, they definitely deserve to move on to a bigger club, really. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're all great, great team players. I mean, They all work well together. I think Brentford is a, is a well-oiled machine. Yeah, and uh, and Buemo and Visa have scored in both games that Tony's been out as well in there. Yep. And in this game here over Spurs and the previous one, they beat um, West Ham 2-0, who West Ham didn't even try in that game because of the conference league they were playing in. They're in the final now against Fiorentina in the start of June. So good luck to them there. They could finish in the – they could get in the Europa League even if they finish in uh, the bottom half of the Prem. So that could be something special for them. Um but on the, on the Spurs end, now they have to play the last game of the season to compete in Europe. They're currently in eighth, one point behind Villa in that conference league position. Do you think there's going to be any motivation for them to finish in that? Is, or is it similar to Chelsea where they just want the season to be over and it doesn't really matter if they make it or not? Any motivation for Villa, you mean? No, I'm speaking on Spurs. Spurs are outside. Oh, the, for Spurs right, right now. Uh, right now, Spurs aren't in Europe right now, but they need a win in the last game to have a chance to finish in Europe. I mean, I sure hope they got some motivation. I know Harry Kane will be motivated. That guy just wants to score goals, so uh, that should be enough to to classify the the team as being motivated for a European spot. I think. Yeah, they play. They have to go on the road to Leeds, who need three points to for survival in the league. And Aston, that's, Aston Villa. That's going to be a tough uh, atmosphere for them. Yeah, and Aston Villa are hosting Brighton, who are trying to finish with the most points they've ever finished in a top flight. They're already in the highest position they've ever been. Yep. On uh, they got no other competitions ongoing right now as well, so we'll probably go hard till the last minute. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we move on to another team fighting for survival. Didn't get the result they wanted here uh, in a 1-1 draw, Wolves and Everton, but scored a 99th-minute equalizer, which was pretty much jammed in and also due to a goalkeeper error off Bentley, who positionally and um, didn't understand the situation, kind of got lost in the moment, ended up leaving an opportunity for Yuri Mina to tap in a, 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 cro a cross across the box. So um, that point might mean everything to Everton. It might mean that they only need a point to stay up depending on what Leicester and Leeds do due to a goal differential yeah Everton uh, are pulling the great escape if you will but uh, I would say an expected one because once they brought Sean Deitcher and I, I feel like anyone who's been following the league almost had them as a lock to stay up I mean they're not up yet but I don't see them going down personally yeah we'll get into I guess we can just talk about it now or yeah, we'll just talk about it now with the, the bottom three teams now that Forest are safe and Southampton are guaranteed to go down. It's one position to stay in the league in three teams. You have Everton in the pole position on 33 points. You have Leicester and Lees both on 31. But out of those three teams, Leicester have a clear goal difference uh, advantage, minus 18. Everton minus 24. Leeds minus 27. 
the favors in Everton's hands there. They're hosting Bournemouth. Um, a point might not be enough if Leicester can beat uh, West Ham. If if Leeds if Leicester beat West Ham and Everton only get a point, uh, Leicester would be safe. If Everton win, doesn't matter what Leeds and Leicester do. And then Leeds need to win, and Everton and Leicester both need to lose for them to stay up. So, um, out of those three teams, who's your favorite to stay up? Favorite to stay? I, I just said Everton. I, I think Everton are, are going to win their last game and uh, probably stay up. Or not probably. The, that would mean they stay up. I think it'll be pretty straightforward. Yeah, Bournemouth's a tricky Fortunate team, though. Or uh, two teams below them, but... Yeah, that that um, that massive win over Brighton might be the difference maker. That that five-one win. If they didn't if they didn't earn those three points, they'd be right there below Leeds. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest result of their season, other than this last week, uh, depending on what happens. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, talking about Bournemouth, they lost one-nil to United. This was a tight game. Only goal came from Casemiro. Um, doesn't mean really anything to Bournemouth. They're safe. They didn't really care of the result, but. United continued with this win to keep on for that top four finish, and we'll get to where they finished today against Chelsea. But um, what did you think of that game, and uh, and how do you think the team's been playing as of lately, getting ready for an FA Cup final? We're just making sure we uh, get a just keep the winds flowing, keep the lads fit, and just get ready for City. Uh, got a dust up in the league, and and uh, they have been securing that top four so it's just about staying fit and uh getting the job done till the fa cup final yeah you guys definitely want to stop your 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 local rivals from getting an opportunity to win a treble the last time any team uh, on the treble was you guys in 99 i believe i mean if any team deserves it on paper they do but uh, i don't want to happen yeah i I'll, mean Smug bastards. Yeah, I mean they're celebrating their fifth title in six seasons, so it's <laughs> it's uh yeah, you don't want the rich getting richer at this point, so That's uh, one way to put it. Yeah, even though everybody's rich. Um but that's that's a different story. Uh two <laughs> two teams that didn't have anything to play for but put an entertaining result together. Fulham and Palace tied two 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 to two. Mitrovic getting his first start. Uh, since his band scored both goals for, for Fulham. On the other hand, you had Edward scoring early for Palace to give them the initial lead. Uh, and then in the 83rd minute, Joel Ward scored his first goal in four years for Palace, um, getting the equalizer there, and the, the, the tie ended 1-1. Or, excuse me, we just ate, so I'm really, really in there in the burps. Um uh, yeah, so they shared the points, ultimately. Puts Palace above Chelsea in 11th position on 44, and that puts Fulham securely in 10th position. They can not jump any higher or go any lower than where they're at right now uh, after week 38. So for Fulham, they bag themselves a 10th place finish after coming up, and Palace right there below them in 11th. That could be their highest finish in a long time, so... Uh, ideally that's probably where these teams are going to finish because I don't see Chelsea doing anything against Newcastle and if Wolves somehow beat Arsenal they still have a significantly worse goal differential to Palace so mid-table for both teams how successful of a year was it for both? Uh, very respectable 
Uh, Palace, they started off with Vieira, didn't they? Yep. And sacked him for Roy Hudson. So finishing mid-table after a managerial change, especially in this season, uh, is, is an accomplishment. Uh, they must have been, other than Tottenham, they're the highest team to finish while changing managers. They have five wins in their last nine, two draws and two defeats. So those last nine games are under Roy Hodgson. They only had two losses. Um, yeah, and they got some great talent in the team. I mean, Eze and Elisa have been absolutely killing it. You would think you would have thought uh, before the season started, if Zaha got hurt, they would have been screwed. But that was not the case. I think another thing that didn't help Vieira was the last four games he was in charge when they lost was against uh, an up up and form Villa under Emery. Uh, a Man City team, uh, a high-tempo Brighton, and then uh, at the time, the league leaders, Arsenal. So it wasn't the best way to go out as well as before yeah. that. I mean, a lot this, of tough matchups. The Vieira's last 11 games in charge was Chelsea, loss, tie against United, tie against Newcastle, loss to United, tie to Brighton, tie to Brentford, drew Liverpool, lose to Villa, lose to Man City, lose to Brighton, lose to Arsenal. I don't know how much of a difference Roy Hodgson would have made in those games against all those teams bar Chelsea being in the top 10, but... That's fair. Um, and mind you, that was one of the last maybe five wins we've had in the last four months that Chelsea there. We did the we did the double over Palace this year, so... Um, Congrats. Yeah, I don't know. Roy Hodgson, is, he's earned... Almost as many points as Vieira did this season at the time he was in charge, was it? And they finished smack in the middle. He earned, well, all right, not ideally, but he earned 17 points out of their 44 in the last nine games. So he did his job. He did what he was meant to come in for. And uh, on the full amend, they started out super hot. And then towards the end of the year, middle of the year, that's when the things dropped off. As soon as they knew they were safe, there was a run in there where they only earned one point in five games leveled things out in the last few weeks and are now on a three-game unbeaten streak since Mitrovic came back. So um, do you think this is sustainable for them? Do you think Marcus Silva just needs to bolster the squad a little bit? They have their their uh, defined play. I, I view them similar to how Brentford is, sort of. Yeah, they just need some some better depth options, especially for guys like uh, Mitrovic. When he goes out, this team just loses all of its shape. But uh, and due to that, they finished about even on the goal difference. They bagged they've bagged 54 so far, which is like run of the mill for uh, for a mid table team. Not really run of the mill, but uh, run of the mill in terms of how the league went this year. I think finishing even on goals on goal difference is a is a positive based on how their season went and something to improve on. But yeah, I would say the depth. Yeah, definitely, they were one of the. They're probably at the bottom of the table when it came to most players used in the league. Uh, they were very consistent with their 11 every week. If they made changes, it was maybe one at center back uh, and maybe a winger, if that. Um, definitely one of the signings of the year was Willian for them. They picked him up yep. towards, towards Christmas window. He trained with them uh, coming over from Brazil because he was, I think he was getting abused over there. He had issues in Brazil and came over here and trained with Fulham for a while in the summer and towards the start of the season and then kind of got integrated into the team and he was a massive improvement for them on the wing he still he still got it whenever a club uh 
in the prem signs any any player who's like i would say 30 and on who's been in the league and knows it is, that that signing's usually going to be a pretty reliable one if you if you bring someone in like that they're they're just going to be a reliable guy who you know is uh is going to be confident out there he's going to set the example for any any young players in the team and and just be a great addition for the squad for a year or however long they sign their contract for I can counter that by saying Ryan Bertrand for Leicester did absolutely nothing for him this year. Uh, I guess that's fair. I don't but, know. William, uh, William proved otherwise, though, and he had, a, he had a solid year for Fulham. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We were on that for a little while, but both teams deserve a lot of credit. Uh, another draw, Liverpool 1-1. This ultimately shut them out from the top four race. Uh, Villa scoring off of a Ramsey goal. Jacob Ramsey, I almost said Jalen Ramsey. I got NFL on my mind. Um, Jacob Ramsey continuing his impressive year for the club. Uh, right before that, there was a missed opportunity for Villa. Uh, Ollie Watkins missed a penalty uh, about two yards wide of the post. And then Ramsey's goal came. Liverpool fighting and fighting. Brought on Milner and uh, Bobby Firmino to make their final uh, performances at Anfield. And Bobby Firmino gets a a nice little goal to walk away from the club with in the 89th minute off a of Mo Salah assist. It would have been absolute scenes if he would have bagged the winner, James Milner bagged the winner off a pen or something, but it wasn't meant to be. They have to share the points with Villa, who in themselves are finishing in a European position at the moment and would be an incredible story for Unai Emery making his return to the Premier League after a difficult time under Arsenal where he didn't have the, the support of the fans or the media really there. Yeah, looking back on this game, I just regret not betting on Firmino to bag one here. Yeah, for the like occasion. that was all all but a lock for the occasion. Yeah, he I'm pretty sure he scored more often away from home than at home, but uh, they love him there. There was a great ceremony after this match for the the four players leaving the club, and uh, just shows how much that they're appreciated. Yeah, it's easy to praise guys that uh, you can see get all the stats, score the goals, and be involved heavily in the goal contribution column. But very few guys are recognized for what they do off the ball and for the club and in the, in, uh, off the pitch as well. And Bobby Firmino did that for them since 2015. So an eight-year servant of the club, well-deserved, part of the club era. Milner was one of the best players in the club era for that team that just having a guy who could pop in the squad and play pretty much any defensive role you needed him to is, is pretty invaluable. Yeah. Also great in the, in the locker room, a great leader to have anybody for the young players to go to. The guy's got over 500 appearance, five, 600 appearances in the Premier yep. league. If you ever have a question about anything, he's a guy to go to and is a great role model to follow for anybody. So, um, not the not what Liverpool would have wanted, but uh, great send off for those two. Um, I'm sure we'll see them play this weekend too, as well at Southampton. So they may they may even start if I'm being honest, because Southampton are even they they don't even have to try to be. Asked. No, they're already relegated. It's, it's it's sad to watch those guys. So I'm sure we're going to see all the guys that haven't really played at all get starts here or get significant time. Um, moving on to the following game, the last game on Saturday, the late game. Nottingham Forest get a 1-0 win over Arsenal, secure safety in the league, while also handing Man City the title. Is it surprising that this result came? 
Nottingham Forest needed the points. Their final game at home. They are probably top five teams when it comes to needing to play at home to get a result this year. Um, probably across Europe. So, is this result surprising at all to you? I mean, if you base it off recent form going into the game, not at all. Uh, that's something I wish I did. I just looked at it on paper, the raw matchup, and I didn't see how Arsenal could have lost it, but they did with Forrest coming in red hot at home. Uh, Awani flying high over the past few games. That was the fourth game in a row he scored in, third or fourth, I think. Third, I believe, yeah. Yep, and the, the way Forrest have been playing is just been working out for them and like i said they got this one at home so they couldn't wish for any better of a time or place to, to to face arsenal in the season here yeah arsenal just shot ran out of gas um when you compare them to man city man city yeah. are, they were just primed to be taken over and taken advantage of and it was unfortunate that was forrest who needed the three to stay up yeah and and speaking on Forest at home, out of the 37 points they've earned this year, 30 of which have come at home, they've only earned 7 points on the road in 18 games this year, uh, only picking up 1 win on the road in the Prem. So um, definitely shows what I'm going to pick for their last game this year as they have to travel to Crystal Palace. So um, that's a little preview on that. But yeah, on the Arsenal's end, I mean, I just think... Just when it comes to the, the total squad depth, they just didn't have enough to compete with Man City. To beat Man City, you have to earn 90 points. We saw this with Liverpool um, a couple years ago when they won the title during the COVID year. They finished on 99 points. Man City had an off year that year. They only finished on 81, but all the other years, Liverpool was right there with them, finishing in the high 80s low 90s and still man city were running away with it at times so um even last year last year man city 93 points liverpool 92 i mean over 90 points and not winning the league is crazy yeah i mean if you're liverpool they've said it in the past they said liverpool if you um in the past when you finished on that many points you would have won probably like 18 of the last 21 league titles i mean it's it's insane what you have to do to beat man city and for Arsenal, it's, I mean, if they go on, if Man City goes on to win the treble, that's kind of another excuse Arsenal can use to say, well, we lost to a team that won the treble and whatever. I mean, I've said this with Evan and I think Evan's agreed and he's upset about it now. But if you go back to the start of the year, nobody predicted them to finish in the top four, me included. Evan had them finishing third, I think. So, I mean... To, to go into the top four to lead the league for over 240 days and to ultimately lose it is tough if you would have flipped their season around to where they had a terrible start but had a massive title push at the end of the year people would have a totally different perspective on things and would definitely have them being a top contender to push man city next season but going out on on a on a, going out like this to end the year is is tough for arsenal and for anybody wanting to see somebody push Man City, um, even in this year where they've dropped so many points, they might finish on their lowest points in a while to win a league. So um, really scary in that sense. But for Arsenal to lose it at Forest is something that's really tough to take. Um, moving on to the Sunday games, West Ham picked up a 3-1 win over Leeds. Leeds took, the, look, took an early lead in this game off Rodrigo in the 17th. 
but a West Ham team with nothing to really play for. They're already safe. They're just resting to play in a, comp, in a European final. Get themselves a nice little win there. Rice, Bowen, and Lanzini all scoring for the team. Rice potentially scoring his last goal at the London Stadium. A lot of links for him to leave the club after this season. Not renewing his contract, I believe. Um, is a, It's a really tough pill for Big Sam to, to swallow because this was a game they needed to get some sort of points out of. Yeah, Big Sam dropping points uh, this late in the year. I mean, his job is to save them, so clock the clock is ticking. That's for sure. He's got one game left to prove himself, and it's at home versus Tottenham, which we said uh, we'll get into later, but at home is it's big, but their fate may not even rest in their own hands, depending on what Everton does. I don't think there's any blame. I think you have to give zero blame on Big Sam regardless of if they stay up or not because the guy was brought in with four games to, to turn things around they're really just putting it all uh, putting putting everything on him putting pushing uh, all the chips in does, just does saying he, screw it it's it just that just goes back to the the ownership and they, they they fired their sporting director or their general manager i forget but they fired that guy that came in with jesse marsh too and they brought in javi garcia who didn't really change anything didn't really get much respect out of the players. Got a couple of results, but I don't know. With yeah, things they just being, hit the panic button, scrambling at the end of the year. Different? This was Jesse Marsh's team. He's had it for at the time when he got fired for a year. He brought. He had two full windows to bring people in for him in his style. Do you think just sticking it out? We saw with with Nottingham Forest this year. They stuck it out with Steve Cooper the whole year. They even gave the guy a contract extension in the middle of a relegation battle. Do you think that's something clubs need to do? They just need to stick with the guy for who they have for the year? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how confident that manager is, obviously. But the, having the board backing you that late in the season, like you said with Steve Cooper, just is an immense amount of trust. And, I mean, that's that's something only uh you'd be able to see and to look back on in hindsight and say yeah, it was a great decision it's a ballsy move and uh not a lot of clubs have those kind of balls yeah and i mean steve i think steve cooper is like now one of the top 10 longest serving managers in the premier league for his club at this point yeah and sackings. It, that, that's the context also matters too i mean he's been with that team a while he came up with them uh, from the championship, and like you said, uh, 10 years or so he's been with them. Yeah, but they, they had 20, 25, 30 signings over the course of this season, including at least five or six in the winter window, and he still managed to figure out his team, the guys he needed to go to when he needed, and he figured out who his winners were, and they, they ultimately got the job done. They got three wins in the last five, only one defeat. When it matters, he did it, and... I don't know if Leeds and other managers or other situations too, like you look at Leicester and Southampton. I mean, if you're going to fire the guy and if you're not sure about it, do it in the summer. So the new guy comes in, has a full window to bring people in. And then obviously you had the, the world cup break this year, which was another time to fire and bring somebody in. We saw Southampton do it with Ralph Hasenhutl. They brought in Nathan Jones, who was the wrong guy. If they would have brought in somebody else, maybe things would have been different for Southampton with a little bit more experience. That would have been the time to bring in Sean Dyche. Yeah, with the Leeds, they just they waited too long. Yeah. I mean, Jesse Marsh 
when he was fired, I think only had two wins in his last 14 games. So it wasn't looking bright, but if there was anybody that knew that system and could have figured things out, it would have been him. Exactly. And they fired him right after the winter window closed. So he couldn't. He didn't even have time to use his new guys. So it's, yeah. not, it's not over yet. They still have a chance to stay up. It's the slimmest of the three teams, I would say, but they still have a chance. And they did it last year on the last game. They beat Brentford. Um, but it's going to be really tough this year, especially with playing against Harry Kane. Even in a bad Spurs team, going against Harry Kane is scary. Um, moving on, this one could be quicker. Brian picked up a 3-1 win over Southampton. It looked a little sketchy there. Southampton put a bit of a fight up. It was two. It was two-two at a, at a time, but Theo Walcott was ruled off sides, and then Brighton picked it up, and Pascal Gross got a third in the 69th minute. Before that, we saw an Evan Ferguson brace, and El Yunusi scored off a corner kick from a JWP uh, assist. This was a, another big W in the Brighton column, keeping them up in the top six. Um, I don't know if really you have anything else to add. Uh, Brighton just finishing the season strong. <laughs> That's really what it is. Yeah. Is it sad that we're seeing Southampton go out like this? Yeah, uh, better rip, rip the Band-Aid off early. I mean, they've they've been struggling over the past few seasons as is, so them yeah. going down early before the season ends uh, at least takes the pain away. Yeah, five straight defeats, and the last point they had was against Arsenal in a 3-3 draw at the Emirates, which could be the most meaningful draw because that ultimately ended Arsenal's title run. So they did something before they left. Um, also, Man City picked up one new win over Chelsea. Obviously, we talked about Forrest's win, secured City's uh, title before they even had to play, so they put out a rotated team in there. And still managed to easily handle Chelsea, who put out a weird lineup once again. Um, had a few chances here and there, but ultimately didn't really matter. Um, sad result, sad performance. Shout out Lewis Hall. We'll get to the game today. 18 years old, doing everything he can. Definitely somebody that I respect and should be in this team going forward. I really hope Potch is watching and makes him makes him uh, a stance and gets him involved more and more. Maybe even in his natural position in the central midfield, but he's still got time to grow. And for Man City, another three points wrapping up, continuing to extend that lead there on the top eight point gap from Arsenal. Um, what did you think of the lineup change and uh, how good their second team players are? I mean, City are the poster team for squad depth. They got a whole starting 11 on their bench. So I think it's as simple as that. And they all know uh, and understand very well Pep's system. And they respect it because it gets results. And like you said, they're about to finish... With the the lowest points in a while they've had when they won the title, and uh, they're at just pushing ninety, so that goes to show you the the standards they have there. Yeah, and the the work ethic that everyone in this team puts out is great. It's just an endless endless loop of uh, of pos- positivity in terms of uh, the results and their performances. Yeah, and I mean when you looked at their bench, their bench was valued at over half a billion or half a yeah half a billion dollars. 
600 million dollars worth on the bench absolutely insane okay i mean you you look at that compared to other teams and you wonder what they're doing differently well chelsea has that too but it's not it's not valued correctly so they paid for that much but it's not the right evaluation um or valuation um okay we move on to the midweek games the the uh makeup games that we'll get more into now on monday night we saw newcastle shockingly pick up a nil-nil draw against a Leicester team who played a game that was against the 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 love of the game they played five in the back did not give a shit only 22 percent possession one total shot recorded for Leicester it was on target from Castagna and then uh Newcastle had 23 shots only four on target um Dean Smith just played to have a chance in week 38 they got their point. They're in a position where I feel like they're in a good position now to for safety, but it all comes down to if they can perform in Week 38 against a West Ham team who we saw beat up on Leeds and could do the same to Leicester, who have just as bad as a defense. But um, what do you think of this game and, I guess, the result and what it means for these teams? Yeah, I mean, what a way for Dean Smith to just lay it all out. and James Madison and Harvey Martin started on the bench to pray to God for a result here to, to give them a chance to stay up. And they, they got it done 0-0 at St. James Park. I mean, like you said, one shot to, to 23 uh, and five at the back as well. I mean, they just locked it down and prayed. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Madison and Barnes, they, they were given their guy on the, the bench. They had Madison and Barnes and Mendy. They were just resting them for the final game when they need the result the most they, for this uh, game plan here was just well, lock it down. Well, he start, please, yeah. please at least get a point, and they did, and they even got a clean sheet out of it too. Yeah, they started five defenders and two holding mids. Tillemans being the the creative one in there to just play through balls into Vardy and Iannaccio, who I thought Iannaccio tore his groin. I thought he was done until like August, but he started and played in this game. So kudos to him and the their medical department i would love to get them to chelsea because our medical department is in shambles we have guys in our medical department that work with hollywood actors i mean things are just fucked in our club even in that department so um that's a side note but i i said newcastle beating brighton earlier secured them top four it didn't this point did mathematically they're 70 points now where liverpool are on 66 so Right now, they're just playing to see if they can finish above United, who will get to their result as of today. But currently, Newcastle in fourth on 70 points. Top four, nobody predicted them. Top four, uh, very few even in top six. I think Evan had them finishing sixth, I believe, at the start of the year. I had them eighth, but uh, top four, what does it mean for, for Newcastle going forward? means the world. They get to play uh, under the lights on... Uh... On Tuesday nights for Champions League, so yep. Tuesday and Wednesday nights yep. uh, they get to play with the big boys. That's what they've been wanting. They want a challenge for silverware, and uh, they'll get the chance to do it there. Uh, and they made the FA Cup final or the uh, League Cup final. Uh, no trophies still. This year. still. No trophies. No trophies yet, but I mean they're they're knocking on the door. They're right where they want to be, and I think they're right where they should be. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they spend their money now. They get increased revenue with the Champions League. Um, yep, they that's also, another bonus. They also get the most important luxury of being a Champions League club, so that attracts more stars. 
uh, gives them more leverage. And yeah, that's going to do wonders for him in the summer. Um, unfortunately, Nick Pope has a hand injury. I think he's getting hand surgery, so he's missing the remainder of the year at the last game on Sunday, but um, shouldn't affect their position at all. I think, yeah, they're playing. Yeah, they've secured top four already. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. That we might They'll be see playing Chelsea play. anyway, so it's not like they're going to face too many shots. Yeah, they're going, to, they're going to, to London to play Chelsea. We may see a lot of guys rested or play minimal, minimal time, but yeah. Congrats to them on that. And uh, Leicester, they still have a chance. Um, we move on to the Wednesday game, which out of all the games that we've talked about so this far... was the best game of the week. Was the best game, as Zach just said. A 1-1 draw at the Amex. Start off hot in the 25th. Even before that, the first 10 minutes was NN. If you wanted to watch uh, a game of soccer, a game of football, and under, try to think why people like the game so much, this was is a perfect example to sh- to showcase that. Phil Foden in the 25th off a courteous Erling Holland assist. Had an open goal, but sent it to Foden for the tap-in. Uh, a response, an emphatic response in the 38th minute quick counter. Levi Caldwell won the ball in the midfield, lays in and CISO, who... Uh, goal of the about month. 25 30 yards out just decides to rip it top corner yeah goal of the month for sure might be up there for goal of the season uh knuckleball top corner ortega had no chance at saving it it was incredible to watch uh, the city fans were applauding behind the net too yeah they they don't really care they won the league and it's just a respect thing and it just shows that um brighton are finding gems out of nowhere, uh, most most notably South America. So we're probably going to see an influx of South Americans coming to the league in the next five to ten years. Um, Chelsea are already on that, picking up fifteen year olds. Um, but yeah, it was it was back and forth for the rest of the game, uh, jousting each other back and forth. Quick counters. Matoma was bottled up a lot due to Kyle Walker being the fastest motherfucker in the world. Um, that that's that's the only way you can stop Matoma is if you're super fast. Um, and obviously Walker's a great defender as well, but yep. Rodri played center back, Gundogan in the middle, Bernardo Silva didn't really do too much. Um, no Jack Grealish again, they're resting him pretty much for the cup finals, as well as Ederson. And yeah, it was, it was a great game to watch, nothing really happened. Um, that was dull. nothing was uh, really mattered uh, in terms of the table in this one. I would say for Brighton, if Brighton would Brighton won, secured Europa League, but if, if Brighton would have won, it would have gave them an opportunity to finish above Liverpool. But now they are they 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 are locked in at six. They're four points behind Liverpool, but they're four points above Villa. So they finished sixth after last year, where they finished ninth, which was their best ever finish, and now they top that again, top most points ever. Scored 71 goals this year, which is incredible. That puts them tied for third most with Liverpool, depending on how the last game goes. Uh, but they did give up 51 goals, which is quite a bit. Um, is the what is that? Is the is tied for the second worst, second most in the top 10. So yeah, that's about what a mid-table team would concede. Yeah, so they kind of overperformed. Kind of. <laughs> Heavily, heavily overperformed. Yeah, plus. probably. Uh, I think the Zerbi. I mean, if it wasn't for Pep continuing to just win everything, and uh, Zerbi's up there for for manager of the season easily. Yeah, Pep's definitely going to run away with manager of the year, but Zerbi definitely should instead. Um, obviously, that award is favored to whoever wins the league most of the time, unless something magical happens. But um, 
Do you think, I have a question, do you think if Graham Potter stayed with this Brighton team all year, they would have finished where they did? No. Definitely not. Why do you say that? Just the Zerbe's style of play is a lot more aggressive, and he's more stubborn in the way he plays. And that, I mean, you just watch him versus the City team. They give up a goal, and they're they're not just going to give up after that. They they countered City by playing City's game. They had the high press. They were on them all over the pitch for some mistakes. And they have the the talent to be able to do that, and all these uh, young players they brought in. So it, you just need to have that aggressiveness and stubbornness with your game to just not be able to to fold to uh, to the big teams. And Deserby is is one of those managers. This, I mean, the squad is entirely Graham Potter's team. The only the only people that Deserby was here for that was brought in was Facundo Buenanote, who is the 18-year-old they brought in from Rosario Central in Argentina um, who's been getting significant time and is a great player, but these are all he's Graham Potter. He's in there because uh, March is injured. Yeah, of course you have that, and he's earned his time too. I mean, as well as in CISO, it's tough to even break into this team. There's so much quality oozing out of it, but this wasn't happening under Graham Potter. They weren't scoring goals. They were scoring it's like 40 to 50 goals. It's managerial under. style. That's what it is. But Graham Potter's team, they created the same chances, it's just they weren't putting them away. And now under Deserby, they're scoring 15 to 20 more goals with the same players. He's got more of a locker room presence. Like, I don't know what to tell you. They, he's, he's someone the players uh, want to come into come into work for every week and get a win for. Yeah, and I guess that just also reinforces how important you see him on the you see him on the touchline too. He's 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 just as if not more animated than Pep is. Yeah, and it was a they they have great respect for each other, and I think Pep came out and said that Deserby is one of the most influential managers in the past twenty years, which is saying something that nobody knew this guy's name six months ago. Yeah, I think um, before he came into Brighton, he was with Sassuolo and brought them to their highest finish in their club's history and has done the same here for Brighton. Yeah, it's just a, a credit to the Brighton as a whole club and operation. It's a credit to Zerbi and what he does and to these players and how well they're how well coached they are and how coachable they are in that. So, um, yeah, it just makes me jealous because of they found him on such short I guess I can't say that they didn't find him on such short notice because they plan out these things and they understand that yep. when they when, when they are scouting is excellent it's like they know when they're successful they know people are going to come in for their guys and they're already two steps ahead they're like okay well if he leaves we're going to go for one two or three we have three names here two names that we know that can come in and do what we would like same thing with the players they know Okay, we lose Trissard. We lose the uh, Leandro Trissard. Boom, Matoma plays. I mean, it, it's even better than before. You would argue so. Um, credit to them. It makes it almost impossible not to pick them to finish in this position next season. But we'll see in the summer. Yeah, I mean, leaves. if you're a, if you're a newcomer to the Prem, I mean, that's a that's an easy team to look at and want to support and root for. Yeah, it's just to see if they can be sustainable here couple years ago they were in the bottom half then uh last year they finished top 10 and now they're in europe so we'll see what europe the european schedule does to them they do play thursday night ball 
we both yeah the, the depth uh, will definitely be tested once you hit Europe that's that's when uh, I think the reality check comes in if yeah. you can hang with all these competitions at once yeah I'm sure Danny Welbeck will be their Europa League guy so oh of course we'll be he might he out. might he may rival Giroud's presence in that league Giroud is a Europa in my, League champion in my uh, my prediction I think Wele will will have quite the presence on Thursday nights okay Okay, we move on to the final game to recap. The, the Definitely the hardest one to talk about for me. Uh, easy for Zach to talk about. Zach, you're, you're Manchester United. 4-1 win, secure top four. Um, before getting into the particulars of how the game went, how do you feel about the result and what it means to be in top four for the first time in a while? And uh, with Ten Hag, first year, gets Champions League and a, a trophy. It was a long time coming, and we found our guy. Uh, I mean, just keep it concise. We found our guy, and uh, we're just going to keep it going from here on out. Thank God we don't have to do the Thursday night, Sunday Sunday night rotation anymore. Yep, you're back at least in the for, big At leagues. least for this season. Back Upcoming in, season. Back in the big leagues. I'm not sure how long it's been since you guys finished top four. I'm just trying to quickly scroll through when the last time it was i'm gonna have to figure it out they won we won europa league with zlatan so that would have put us in champions league without finishing top four but other than that Uh, yeah okay so what was it 20 so two two seasons ago you guys finished second so yep so it's been like two three years since you guys were there um not a consistent basis definitely up downs yeah of course that was under ollie um but getting into this game and what happened casemiro in the sixth minute off a great cross set piece from Ericsson. VAR came out, but was slimly on sides. Uh, back-to-back goals for him, both in the first 10 minutes of each game. Um, unfortunate injury to Anthony in the 29th. Um, looked really bad. Had to get uh, stretchered off. Um, that's definitely going to be probably season-ending for him. It's, it's anything bad. I think they said he was taken to the hospital afterwards or Ooh. right away. Um, so that may be very bad for him going into next season but Marcus Rashford did come off the bench and made an impact in himself uh 40 what was that the 50th minute fifth minute of at a time in the first half a little little sweat ball from Jane Sancho puts in Martial getting another goal for him going to the half 2-0 Chelsea did have five to six quality chances to score in the first half Absolutely blew all of them. Was not surprising. Anytime when I was listening to the game that the commentators got a little bit of emotion in Chelsea's attack. Trust me, my mouth did not twitch. I knew it wasn't going in regardless of what was happening and how confident they were in the commentary. Mudrik was completely useless in this game. They hardly ever went down his side. And when they did, he had little impact. It's really sad um, how different his... Premier League career could have been if he went to Arsenal um, for probably the proper valuation of what he was probably 40 to 50 mil instead he comes here for 90 definitely not that worth that much very few guys are Um, Luke Shaw came out the half with a bit of tightness in his lower back I think or something so they're not going to risk him Malassia comes in Joe Felix and Pulisic come in in the 64th for as I mentioned Mudrik and uh, Havertz Penalty for United in the 73rd minute. Bruno Fernandez tucks it away. Little scuffle there afterwards with Enzo and Keppa. Uh, the frustration boiling over for Chelsea players there. 
And then Wesley Fofana in the 78th minute, playing out of the back, loose pass to Chaloba. Bruno intercepts, sweats it to, to Rashford, who uh, initial shot was saved by Kepa, but scores the tap in rebound. And uh, from there on, it was really sad to watch, even worse than before. Uh, but Jao Felix in the 89th minute gets a consolation goal off a Hakim Ziyech assist. The guy's played little to no time this year and still is definitely in the top three assists getters, um, which is really sad. But yeah, 4-1 from Pochettino a... could not come any sooner for this team. Yeah, what do you... Every, everyone out there for Chelsea just looks like a stray puppy. They need guidance and a leader desperately what's uh what's top priority for you for for the club in general or pochettino in specific for chelsea what, what's the number one thing if you come in as the manager what's the number one thing you need to fix rip the guts out and change everything this this team and club as a whole needs structure structural uh rework entirely does that top. so are you saying does that mean the ownership needs to take their hands off the wheel a bit and let Pochettino and the guys that actually know that's the sport exactly are on the ship a little I mean. bit? That's exactly what I mean. Pochettino does bring his own staff. Um, they don't do any work unless he's in work. So we know we're getting a competent team that knows how to work together, that knows their roles, they're well disciplined. I I'm excited to see what he does with them. Everybody keeps saying this is a really talented squad. It's surprising they're playing the way they are. They're top talent. They're top talent. They're top. If they're so top talented, I'm not why aren't they at scoring? The I'm not looking at the top talent. I'm just looking at the manager. No, I understand. We'll see. We'll, he'll pick out the right guys. I understand that. but That's just Chelsea I'm, fans I'm coping speaking, with the no, garbage no, no, no. that they witnessed this year. I'm talking from a side Pochettino. I'm saying now. Everybody says they're a top talented team. I understand there's nothing to play for. There's no motivation. But there's, we are seeing no, 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 discuss no. from the rest of the season. It's no, a, I understand that. But when we play games and they're in those moments, Mudrick today, 12 yards, 6 yards away, completely scuffs a tap in. Gallagher doesn't even attempt on a tap in. Uh, Pulisic. Jao Felix did a good job today. Havertz today, a clear open header eight yards away. Doesn't put it on target. It doesn't matter if there's anything on the line or not. These are basic fundamentals of finishing, and they can't even put it on target. How are they that talented? Is They're confidence... going to get their asses whipped in the offseason. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just that's just the frustration boiling over, and that has nothing to do with it. And it was really sad post-match interview with Frank Lampard talking um, in the back room, it was just like they were bombarding him, like saying like how bad it's been and where does it go from here and how do you feel how how much work is there for the new guy to come in and do and he says all the right things in that, but I mean when you watch him on the sideline, there's no emotion. It he, the way he's reacting to the game is the same way I'm reacting to the game. Um, even when goals go in, it's like uh, he knows it's coming. It's just. He goes to the games, takes his lashings, goes to the press conference, says what he needs to say, and then heads back. And it's like, I don't know what the hell they do in the training. They might as well not even go to training all week. He might say, hey, guys, just show up on the bus this time on Friday. We'll go to the hotel, and then we'll see you at. Uh, I'll see you on the pitch for the game come Sunday. I mean, like, there's no Probably point in training. Up. Bro, they need the rest. I mean, these guys have gone through so much stress psychologically. There's so much change in the club. I'm not saying it's all on the players, but I blame there's a lot of blame on the players 
for not performing, even when Graham Potter was there. Like we were, they were getting in the positions to score. The ball was there. We were putting it in the positions to for guys to succeed, and they weren't. So we've had four managers this year. Um, if you want to count Bruno Salter for the one game, but under each one of them, it's been the same on the field. So that at least players got to take some blame and they're going to get what they deserve this summer because the guys that are going to stick around and earn it and the guys that aren't cut out for it are going to do a lot of running regardless. They're going to be fucking dying on the, on the training ground. Yeah. You, you said you, you at least got guys in there like Lewis Hall who, uh, from the Academy, who are, great today. Showing, uh, putting in a good effort and a good shift. So the last three games, he's been there. our best player. He plays center mid for the development team for the in the under twenty ones in that end. Like he plays left back for us here. I mean, it's set. It's just you have a guy you like Wesley. Ben, Fo- you still got Ben Chilwell, who I think was your best player of the season easily. The problem is if your best players are fullbacks and Reese James and Ben Chilwell, it's bad. But also on top of that, if you can you say they're both injury prone, it's terrible. Like. I don't know. We can go on and on for another ten minutes about it. But... Let's go do the pecs. That was a pretty long-winded uh, ramble of yeah. the debacle that was Chelsea. Yeah, apologies. We're, we're just about around the hour mark as well. I told You Zach, shouldn't apologize. They should apologize. Yeah, I told I told Zach we were probably going to be around an, under an hour, not over, but we're going to get above it at this point due to that. Um, so, yeah, this is the final pick of the season. Um Evan and Kyle gave their picks on Monday's episode, if you guys want to hear what they chose. But going over week 37, this included from all the games we talked about just now, 13 games. Evan went 3-10. and 10, I went 4-9. and nine, Zach went 5-8. and eight, And Kyle gave uh, two picks for last week's, the Man City game and the United game. He went 1-1. One and one. What did so, he get right and wrong? Uh, he got the Brighton City game wrong. He took Man City, and then he took uh, okay. United over Chelsea. Gotcha. Um, so, overall records at this point with 10 games to go. Uh, Kyle is 1-1. One and one. Boz, the one week he gave picks, went 3-6. and six. Evan is 173-197, and 197, so he will definitely do worse than he did last year. I am... On this, I am on par to do exactly what I did last year. I went 180 and a 200. Right now, I'm 175, 195. So if I go five and five, I am exactly like last year, mediocrity. And Zach, you're the only one that can finish positive. You're going into week 38, 186 and 184. You need to go four and six out of ten games to go 500, which is something to be super proud of because picking 380 games and going 500 is pretty damn good, especially in a game where there's three results you can pick. It's not like the NFL where it's somebody has to win. Yep. Got to go back and see how many draws I got right. There's the real winners right there. Yeah, I can. we can talk about that off air because for those that don't know... Looking I at the, you, Wolverhampton. Yeah. I, I uh, Oh, yeah. We can talk about that in the future. I have the individual yep. we'll get into that in the finale yeah. anyways i still gotta try to break even or finish positive so let's go yeah for those that don't know i do each individual game on my tracker here so i know what everybody's records are with individual teams so getting into the first game here we have who is it uh aston villa 
posting Brighton. Where are you lying here? Picking Brighton to end with a win. Okay. I am also going with Brighton. I believe, regardless if they have anything to play for or not, they're going to ball out. Should be nice to watch um, all the youngsters in this team. It'll be interesting to see who their starting 11 is because you have a lot of choices between Welbeck and Ferguson up top, and then you have a mixture in the middle with Undav and Ciso, Buenanote. So should be really interesting to see how they finish out the year. And uh, thinking about my Aston Villa record, which is the worst of anybody, I still haven't had 10 wins with them this year yet. So uh, by me picking Brighton, I think I'm going to get it wrong. So I'm going to stick it out, though. Who cares? I enjoy watching Brighton. Um, next game. Important game. Everton host in Bournemouth. Do they have what it takes to get it done and stay safe once again? I teased it earlier. I said uh, Everton's going to stay up with a win and keep it straightforward. So, okay. Everton. Even though... No DCL. Home. DCL is highly mm -hmm. doubtful to play in this game. Yeah, Sean Dyche's got it. They're going to win, and Dyche is going to get... Pints and pints dumped on him afterwards. Yeah, I'm taking Everton as well. All four of us are taking Everton. Um, you gotta take him here. Yeah, it's like a it's like a, fa a fairy tale ending for their se season again, which shouldn't be. I mean, Everton five six years ago were finishing in the top ten easily. <laughs> they started the year with Frank Lampard. I mean, come on. Yeah, that guy's record is. Jesus. If anybody gives him a job in the Prem in the next two seasons, there's something mentally wrong with them. All right, what we got um, next? No offense, Frank. But next we have another important game, Leeds hosting Spurs. Where are you going? Are Leeds staying up? Obviously, well, obviously with Everton winning, they're not. But with Everton, I'd say Everton are going to win and keep it straightforward. But do you think they But I mean, Leeds are going to put up a great effort here at home. A lot of people are – I think gonna... the odds are favoring Leeds here. Not Maybe not on the book, but I think a lot of people think with the way Spurs are playing lately that – they definitely have a good a, a good chance to win this. Yeah, I just think uh, some defensive errors and Harry Kane putting in a, a final 90 to, to finish the season out strong will get them a point, a, a anticlimactic draw. draw. Okay. Yeah, odds have Leeds at plus 170 and Spurs at plus 145. So this is almost a pick -em. I'm taking Spurs. I just think Harry Kane is going to score two goals here and win the game for them and finish the year on 30 goals and still not win the Golden Boot, which is shocking. Thrilling. Yeah, exactly. Um, we move on to a speaking of Man City and Erling, Brentford, Man City. Brentford did beat Man City before the World Cup break. They could do a double over them, which I think only Spurs have done this year. Brentford have been the, the the bane of my record this year, holding holding me back from even even more positive greatness. Evan, I think Evan but, has a worse one than you. You know, it's yeah, I just can't pick against City, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sticking with City. Yeah, I'm taking a draw. I I think um, I think it's going to be tough, but. With the way Brentford plays, they play super narrow, and it's super hard to break them down. And I think with Man City probably putting the B team out there, 
I think Brentford have enough to make an interesting game. They may even get the first goal here because Brian Abuemo has been sensational this year. Definitely a guy flying under the radar that may may, may get a move. Um, definitely deserves a move, but if he doesn't, he's going to be a massive role. I don't know if he team. will with Tony being out for the first half of the season. Yeah, he's somebody they have to keep because he's going to be a guy that's going to score 15 goals plus for them next season, 100%. Bill's right in for him on set-piece duty as well. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the other Manchester team, we have Manchester United hosting – or yeah, they're ho- are they hosting? Or ho- yeah, Fulham. hosting Fulham. Yeah, okay. Man U Fulham, where are you going? Picking United. Yep. Even with nothing to play for? Yep. Okay. I'm, I'm taking a draw for this team as well. Last time Fulham played United was in the F – or I think the FA Cup? Yeah. Um, where – Fulham got two red cards, or three red cards. William got a red for a handball on the goal line. Yeah, Mitrovic is going to be like a a raging bull coming into this one. He's he's pissed after the last uh, the last matchup, I'm sure. Yeah, Mitrovic getting the red card for pushing he was one the of ref, the reds. Yeah, and then Marco Silva also got a red card. So um, it was the game before that was super tight. Fulham had actually more possession than United. United played more counterattack, but I think it's going to go similar. Even without Reem and Pereira, they've done really good. Tom Kearney stepped in pretty well for them, even with nothing to play for, and they're going to finish 10th regardless of what happens here. I definitely think they share the points. Um, we move on to Newcastle going to Stanford Bridge to play Chelsea. Uh, what, do you, what do you have here? Newcastle. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I mean... Is there really any explanation after we just went on? The, I just went no, on that rant. Make, just make your pick and move on. Yeah, let's just keep it short and sweet. Smile and wave. Uh, you picked Newcastle. Yeah, you of said? course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I regret. I regret picking. Well, actually, no, I don't. I, I was about to say I regret picking the draw with United, but historically, it's pretty accurate. But we're having the one after that loss. That was the. That's the most losses Chelsea have ever had in the top flight. So, sixteen. And it's gonna we're gonna finish with the lowest ever goal 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 count in the top play as well. I think we need to score ten goals against Newcastle so we don't. Um, obviously, if that happened, I'd probably turn into a girl. Um, yeah, so Newcastle there. The last game with relegation implications, we have Leicester hosting West Ham. Um, obviously, if with us thinking Everton win, um, what do you think Leicester do here? Leicester, West Ham. I think Leicester get a draw here. Yeah. Both 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 relegation teams I'm picking on draws. Yeah, I actually have West Ham winning. I just I just think that their defense is so bad. We saw it with both Leeds. Defense bad. We saw with Leeds, their defense... It's hard to say that after Leicester getting a clean sheet against Newcastle, but... I, I would say, I would say, if you're a betting man, you take Danny Ings to score a goal in this game, you put the house on it, because this is prime Danny Ings territory. They're going to rest sure. Antonio for the Conference League final against Fiorentina. This is Danny Ings' brace territory. If you have fantasy, I would pick him up. This is a guy that's definitely in there because Leicester's defense is ass. Um, they they saved up for this game. Zach mentioned, and uh, what is it? I was looking here. 
Johnny is Johnny Evans questionable? Yep. If Johnny Evans stuff it doesn't play, definitely for sure. He left the game on Monday early with a hamstring injury or a cramp, but especially when he's not in there, they're fucking awful. So um yeah, I'm taking West Ham. okay. Uh, and you said a draw? Yep. Okay. All right. I think you're the only one that took a draw there. Yeah, we all of us took West Ham. Okay. Good. All right. Uh, and then into probably the three easiest ones, I would say. Uh, Arsenal Wolves. Uh, I got to take Arsenal at home here. Yeah, I'm taking Arsenal as well. Arsenal always end the year great. They play incredible. I think last year... Especially they, if they got a home game here, they're they're going to send the fans home with something nice. I'm pretty sure... I want to look this up before I say it, but last year on, on the final game, they crushed somebody. Odds yeah. on a Diego Costa goal to send them home. They beat, yeah, they beat, Ever- they beat Everton. <laughs> they beat Everton five one last year, on the last game. What they do the year before that? The year before that, they beat Brighton two 0 So they normally win on the last game, um, and I don't think that's any different here with the Wolves team that over the last couple weeks haven't looked the best, but um, it may be closer than we think. So. Um, what were you saying? D- Diego Costa? Diego Costa goal. Uh, Odd. Even healthy? Yeah, he's healthy. Yeah, he's fat. But, uh, in all seriousness, though, Arsenal. Arsenal at home, uh, sending the fans home with a nice little present, nice little sneak peek in next season. I think uh, Arsenal should win this like 3-0. <laughs> Diego Costa plus 350 to score anytime. Don't take that. <laughs> he's, Don't only, do it. he's only scored one goal for them this year, so... Uh, last two games, Liverpool going to the South Coast, playing Southampton. Go with Liverpool on the road. Do you think... Bobby Firmino. Yeah. Um, if he gets in on the score sheet. The last time these guys played, 9-0 thump... Or no, was that Bournemouth? Am I confusing the two? You're thinking uh, Bournemouth. Okay, yeah. But Southampton still haven't gotten a 9-0 thumping. They are the, the, the reverse fixture this Reverse fixtures here is Liverpool three one win. Yeah, so um, yeah, I go Liverpool as well. I definitely yep. do think Firmino scores too. We might we might see a penalty for Milner here. Um, Mo Salah did come out on Twitter, I think, or social media, and and apologize to the fans after the United result, saying uh, that they definitely needed top four and didn't earn it this year and feel bad for the fans but are going to come back strong and I think with a statement win over Southampton this might be like a 6-0, 6-1 type deal Uh, and then we close it out with Crystal Palace hosting Forest ooh Forest away at Palace I mean you said they suck on the road now they have nothing to play for, they're safe yeah they're safe we may see Jesse Lingard finally play we may, but it will not be enough Palace win as a goal. Uh, Kaylor Navas is a, is a game time decision, so we may see Wayne Hennessy start here. And we saw what he did in the World Cup. Him. So, former Palace man. True. But, I still think Palace win as a goal. Oh, I'm hoping, mate. I want him to close out the year phenomenally. For those that don't know, we're in a fantasy league together in the Prem. It's coming down to the final day. Zach and I are separated by two points. Whoever wins the last week. Takes the the five hundred dollar cash prize, um, and bragging rights. So I'm really pushing for it this year, and hopefully can be the champion going into next year when we're going to. Yeah, for this game, you got as I have Elisa. So 
True, true. This is this, this that is a counteract. It's gonna be feeding each other. That is a big counteract there. So yeah, I take Palace here. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm taking Palace as well. Yeah, I think okay. you already mentioned the away record, and I I just think that's an easy thing to bank on. So, um, yeah, that concludes our episode that concludes our final picks for this season really sad we're not going to do another pick them for 10 weeks um i guess before we end it what has been your overall feeling for this season this season was strange a lot of manager changes the most ever a lot of weird stuff happening. Top six is slightly different, but one constant, Man City dominates. So was this season really that much different from the previous few? Yes, because Chelsea finished 12th. As a Chelsea fan. We may you, finish yeah. 13th, depending on if Wolves beat Arsenal, which they might. Shout outs to the goose hitting era. We still could finish um, 14th. Where did, where did Goose have him finish when he came in? Was that 9th? I think we got 10th. Ninth or tenth, yeah. We finished. We finished behind Stoke. I'm just happy United's back in the Champions League. Yeah, happy for it. And you. we got Ten Hag, and things are looking good. And we're probably going to be sending Ajax another two hundred million dollar check in the mail in the summer. I'm excited. All right, I think ending on a positive note there is great. Um, so yeah, that concludes our episode. We're signing off here for the final time. Um, not sure when we're going to be back to recap the season i guess monday or tuesday we can do a recap on the final games which would be yeah a i'll be back episode. for the uh, finale show definitely and then uh i think going from there we're gonna have a couple season review episodes we still have to discuss how we're gonna do it maybe we break it up into two parts one for the bottom half teams and the other for the top half to make it so it's not like a two-hour episode um, but yeah, that'll be in the works, but we definitely will be back early next week to go over these, this Sunday's games. Once again, if you guys haven't already listened to part one of this episode with Kyle and Evan, and, uh, we should all be back on Monday, Zach, me and Evan at least. So check us out on our socials at post 20 pod, Twitter, and Instagram, follow us on our streaming platforms that we, that you guys can listen to us on, on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple podcasts. Share it with a friend that's into the Prem or somebody that wants to get into the Prem uh, to share the enthusiasm because um, this year, Zach mentioned, has been incredible and next year is going to be even crazier too with all the mix-up with the team. So appreciate it and we'll see you next time. Take care. Peace.